Welcome, everybody, to the Moose Room. The OG3 is here, and we are joined by a special guest today, a repeat guest. Krishona Martinson is here again today. Hey, Krishona. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be back. Yes, we are excited to have you back. Uh, and if you missed the last episode Krishona was on, which Joe is going to have to look up which episode number that is for me. 40, episode 40. Episode 40. Wow, so it's been a while. Uh, so yes, Krishona is also with University of Minnesota Extension. Uh, she serves as a program leader for the livestock team and is also our equine specialist. Because Krishona has been on the show before, she has already been asked the super secret questions. Um, and Joe and Brad tried really hard to hope that I had forgotten about that so that we could ask her again so they could pad some of their numbers for certain breeds. If you know, you know. But because she's been on before, we already know her favorite breeds of cattle. So I decided we're going to ask her a different super secret question, one we have never asked on this show. Highly likely we will never ask it on this show again. Um, but due to Krishona's specialty, which I mentioned, she was an equine specialist for extension. Krishona, what's your favorite breed of horses? Oh, I knew, Emily, I just knew. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the majority and what I personally have and just say quarter horses. Mm. Yes. They're good. I mean, I don't know much about horses, but I've, I've met a lot of quarter horses in my life and, and they seem very nice. You, you can't really go wrong. But they seem like a kind of standard issue horse. Like, yes, if you're if you're looking for a horse that does horse things and does them well, get a quarter horse. They are the Hereford and the Holstein breed of horses. Ah, yes. Yeah, see, recap that would be Hereford would have been the previous correct answer. The only problem with quarter horses is they just they're not as cute as jerseys. Therefore, they can't be the best comparison for a jersey because they're just they're just not as cute. I wonder who like the jerseys of of the equine world are. Hmm. Probably the ponies. Yeah, you know because they're so cute. They're little. They got big yes. eyes. You know, like right. there you they're go. curious. They get into trouble. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We're we're not gonna turn this into like a horse podcast. So oh, so we'll that was like of... a dig. <laughs> no, we already got those. We're good. We're good. But we we are the moose room. We're not the nay room, right? Like <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, that's <sighs> a great tagline. That's a great tagline. <laughs> We're not the nay room. <laughs> Put that on the button bar. Exactly. <sighs> yeah. So so look forward to Krishona's new podcast, The Nay Room, coming soon. <laughs> All right. Gang's all here. OG3, um, Krishona, who we're, we're always happy to have on the show and to hang out with. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit today's conversation is not going to be the easiest conversation we've ever had on this show. But I will say it's probably going to be one of the most important conversations we've ever had. We're going to discuss a topic not a lot of people really like to think about, um, but it is important to think about, and and we're going to kind of hear why it's important. Um, and that is end-of-life planning. So especially for farmers, you know, a loved one dies, your, your husband, your spouse, you know, um, your sibling, your partner, whoever that's involved in the farm, there's a lot of 
stuff that happens on the back end of that, just with ownership and paperwork and insurance and and all sorts of things. And and although it's not the most fun topic to discuss, you know, it's important to think about this stuff and and to do some of this end of life planning, because if you don't, you can be caught in a really hard spot, right? It's it's similar to like what we talk about with general farm transition planning. It kind of ties in with that. Also, you know, just general personal finances and and all of those things. We did bring Krishona in today to talk about this topic. And, and I will say uh, this was Krishona's idea to do this topic. And, and we jumped at the opportunity. We were really um, glad that she asked us and, and that we're kind of getting to, to dive into this side of things today. Um, so Krishona, I'll maybe let you just explain a little bit more of kind of why you're here to, to talk about this today. Yeah, so you know this is this is not a story that ends well. Although I don't know, there's really not nothing good that came out of this situation, but maybe having other people be prepared is helpful and that's maybe the good. So, um my husband did pass away very unexpectedly and from something we never envisioned. So, you know, uh, I'm in my mid forties. He was in my, he was in his mid forties. We were very healthy. We had two teenage children that showed horses and showed cattle, you know, Hereford cattle, right? Brad. Um, and we're active in 4-H and school and sports and all the things. And he was a full-time farmer. He mostly, um, sold hay to the local horse community. And we also had a herd of about 15 cow calf pairs, some registered owned by my daughter, some commercial, and we sold all of our meat directly to our community. Really, the cattle went into the processors, they came home in boxes and went across the street. Well, December 1st of 2020, our world was completely upended when he went in to have his gallbladder removed and came out with a diagnosis of terminal liver cancer with zero, really no, no warning signs. And, and what we have learned is that um, when you finally see the warning signs of liver cancer, it's too late. So he was beyond the ability to have surgery or a transplant because it had um, taken, it was, it was just too large in scope. So, I mean, my husband to this day has still never spent a day in the hospital. Like he just wasn't a person that was ever sick. Um, so at first they gave him 18 months and we thought, okay, and he actually passed away within five months. It was, there was nothing good that came out of it. Um, and I don't want to lessen anyone else's. I mean, I'm not the first person this has happened to. I wish I would be the last, but that's probably not how the world works. Um, but, you know, we, you guys, we had nothing prepared. I mean, when you're in your mid forties and you're perfectly healthy or you think you're perfectly healthy, like we were we always said we needed two and a half people in our marriage. Like we needed two and a half people to manage all of the things. You know, I had a, a job that was, I mean, our jobs are demanding. He was farming and he always said he was a 1.5 person farmer that was a 1.0 farmer, right? Like it's just how it was. So, you know, I thought what good can come out of this? So that is why I wanted just to kind of share a few things that we learned and some of them you just have to laugh about because that's just kind of how it is. 
Well, thanks, Krishona, for for sharing a little bit about why you're here today. Um, and again, I just want to reiterate that we're we're really glad that you you chose the Moose Room to to come and talk to. And you know, I'm again, like I said, it's not a fun topic, but I am looking forward to our conversation today. And and like you said, can hopefully save somebody else down the road from from some of the things you had to deal with and go through and and figure out on your own. I I know you kind of had some key points you want to hit. So what's the the first thing out of the gate for you as as we think about this topic? So the first thing, and I do, I kind of have like a top 10 things I wish I would have known or I wish we would have prepared. The first thing is have difficult conversations before difficult situations. Because we, I mean, when you're when you're married, you say, oh, you know, like, if something happens to me, you know, your life is going to be hard because of X, Y, Z, right? Like, or things are going to change because of X, Y, Z. But when you're healthy and young, you don't think, really think through that. And so we were having to have conversations about worst case scenario when the worst case scenario was actually happening. And it was overwhelming. So for example, he, I mean, my husband was a typical farmer. He had, and I will say important items to him, uh, crap to me. I, I don't know. He had stuff everywhere, right? Rental farms, our farm, land we own, like things everywhere. And we really had to think about, okay, what do I keep? What gets sold? And there was enough items where we had to have an auction. I, and my husband, I think, had bought almost everything at an auction. He loved auctions, like loved, love auctions. In fact, I'm the office that we shared that I kind of took over, you know, during COVID and now post-COVID, I still can see all of his little online auction sites and all of his passwords and his bidder number for all of those online sites. But, you know, he, he helped me said, okay, this is who I want to have my auction and this is why. But like, when you know that that's going to actually happen, it was a horrible conversation to have, um, you know, what to sell, what to keep. He had a ton of haying equipment. And in fact, he had a brand new haybine, disbine, and a brand new small, well, a two-year-old small square baler and a lot of John Deere equipment. You know, maybe that should be your other secret question. You know, if you really want to get people up in arms, you know, you could ask some equipment. Ooh, yeah. What color tractors? Ooh, we'll, we'll add that to the list. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, the other thing, our, our, our children were 16 and 17. And I don't think any, like, personally, I didn't want my children to know, like, our business at that age. But they sort of had to because you can only have these conversations in private so much, especially when they're older. So all of those difficult conversations we were having when the worst case scenario was unfolding, and I wish we would have had them before. So it wasn't, it was, it was just so stressful. That sounds very stressful and, and, you know, such a difficult situation when you're already in a process of starting to grieve and trying to figure this out. And so have the difficult conversations before difficult situations. I I really like that. I think that's a a great piece of advice for for a lot of different areas of life. You said that your kids were fairly young, teenagers, and you kind of were hoping to keep them out of the business. Has that kind of mindset changed now? Would you have wanted them to know more earlier now that this has happened? 
You know, that's a really good question. I just, I guess I didn't want to burden them with that because they were already having so much stress as well. But, you know, when you are also trying to set your kids up for future success, like my my youngest daughter owns a small herd of registered cattle. And when, especially when we knew he was going into hospice, she was rapid fire. Do we have to sell the farm? Do we have to sell the land? Do we have to sell the cattle? Do we have to sell the trucks? Do we have to sell the trailers? Fortunately, we were in a position where we didn't have to sell those things. You could physically see the relief in her face because she was already having to deal with her dad part of it. So in some ways, yes, because they, I mean, my children own a horse, they own cattle. They think they own trucks and trailers, which they don't, by the way, but, you know, (laughs) so I think it just depends. Um, But also, you know, this is a good transition. And, you know, to Emily, you're asked what was next. And you guys, we had none of our paperwork in order. So when I mean paperwork, we did not have a will. and. I will say through a horse friend that I that I know who's an attorney, she put me into contact with an attorney that does estates and we we had to do a will and it was finalized just weeks before he passed away. And that was really really important when it came to taxes and other logistics. And in some regards the kids I, I don't like my parents still won't share with me what's in the will and I don't care that is their business. But our kids, because they were young and they were losing a parent, they sort of had to kind of know how things were going to shake out. And I'm still not completely comfortable with that. But that was just, I mean, that was the reality I was in. So, Joe, I don't really know how to answer their question. I, I wish they didn't have to be, but at least they sort of know how things are, are shaking out a little bit. And I think it gave them a little bit of comfort to know I mean, when you lose a parent, if you also had to lose, you know, your horse, your cow, the place you live, I think that would have just been too much because so far they're doing, they're doing well. I mean, you know, well as can be expected. Um, And I think knowing some of those details in my particular situation made that a little easier for them. So along with the will, luckily, because we owned a farm and just some property, we were already as joint tenants. So, you know, that's good. So if you own property with somebody, I'm not a lawyer at all, but you need to make sure that you're both listed. We had to go in and make sure when our kids started kindergarten, I'm very, I mean, I'm fortunate that we took out life insurance, um, but I had to go in and make sure that everything was, I mean, you guys, I didn't even know where half my passwords were to some of that stuff, right? So finding passwords looking at insurance, medical insurance, vehicle insurance, farm insurance, all of those things, it was kind of scattered, but it wasn't all in one place and it wasn't organized. So just have your paperwork in order so that when the worst case scenario unfolds, you're also not scrambling to find or figure out those kinds of things. I feel like in today's day and age, I physically just got like a gut wrench of like, where is all my stuff and where is my passwords and where, how would anyone ever know know. how to get access? And I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you if if something happened to me today, I don't think half my stuff would be accessible. That's hitting a little close to home there. 
Well, and even putting key documents, we've always had a safety deposit box to the little one at our bank. And my sister-in-law and then a close friend and then my oldest daughter, she's, you know, she's in college now. She's more adult. They know where the key is. They know how to access it. They're on the signature card. Like you can't just get in. So all of the key paperwork is in there. And at least now key people know where to find it. Um, and, you know, even in, in the will, you can't, you can't let a college kid or a senior in high school inherit a farm. Like, my God, like that would just not go well. So I've even had to approach other friends, like good friends that we show cattle with. Okay, you have to take the younger one, but you need to commit to take her till she's 30. And my older daughter are good friends that have horses because she's not into the cattle. She's really into the horses. The same thing. Like I've had to make arrangements that, okay, I know at 18, they're technically adults, but they are not. They are not. So you, we've had, I know I've had to identify a family member and then also friends that have distinct cattle experience and distinct horse experience because you can't, an 18 year old kid cannot inherit a herd of 15 cow calf pairs, even though that's not that many. There are daily decisions that need to be made and expenses that need to be covered that a kid, even if they're involved, they don't grasp yet at that age. Yeah, I think that's a really important piece of, like you said, like putting those other pieces in place, you know, especially if you have kids, having that all in order. And I I do want to go back quickly to what you said just a little bit ago about it maybe was hard having your kids know everything that they know, but also probably gives them some peace of mind, right? If if worst case scenario comes back, right, they they have that anchor that that's something that they can kind of be tied to that they know is taken care of and won't put them in in some sort of financial or, or legal issue. So, you know, I think that's all really important. And I appreciate that you're kind of adding in that perspective of of what to do, you know, if you have kids and and what those considerations are. And of course, your kids are teenagers, so considerations would be different for younger kids. And I think especially when both of your kids have a, have expressed an interest to have I mean, we I mean, in we don't have like the 1000-acre farm, right? Like we have a traditional hobby farm, but it's an in an area where if it would be sold, it's highly unlikely you would ever be able to get it back. So knowing that you want to protect your kids and the property that you've worked your tail off to get and to, you know, and to make it how you want. And you just don't want that to poof, go away one day and then not have your children be able to, you know, continue whatever legacy that that farm or that hobby farm, you know, provides. And really along those same lines, my third point is, you guys, I had really no idea about my medical insurance. I knew I had good medical insurance, right? I didn't, I didn't know the details. The biggest thing is I had never heard of coinsurance and I still don't understand it. Oh yeah, Bradley just gave a little hmm, face. So how coinsurance is, um, my, my medical plan, for example, has a copay. 25 for a normal office visit, 50 for a specialist, 100 for ER, right? And then you pay up to $4,000. That's my cap. Well, coinsurance, how it was explained to me, is during a major medical event, coinsurance um, puts more payment onto the family and it makes sure that you reach that 4000 so the hospitals pay less. And to me, that seems like illegal because during a major medical, wouldn't you want the most support? 
but I guess that's logical. And if you go into our university system, and again, I, we have exceptional medical insurance. I'm not complaining at all. I'm just saying it was surprising to me. So we'd have, you know, the specialist at the oncology was $50, $50, and then all of a sudden it'd be $682. And it'd be random because that is their way of making sure you reach that $4,000 limit. Now, on the flip side, you know, my husband started out with immunotherapy. His treatments were $98,000 and I had a $50 copay. Now, I don't know what insurance actually paid, right? But that, I mean, we're talking a million dollars in just immunotherapy. And then when that didn't work, chemotherapy, which was horrible and also didn't work. And you still have a 4000 cap. But getting those surprise bills for $682 was a little surprising. And then when you call the number, they're like, well, that's your coinsurance. And they say it like everybody knows what that is. And I did not know what that is. And so, again, when not that anyone has extra time, but there's just certain things that you might want to look into the whole coinsurance thing. I also had never used FMLA. So I was pleasantly surprised with that. And also just some other benefits that we have as faculty members with um, short term paid leave that we pay into. And because my husband you know, our university's fiscal year starts July 1 because he was really put, you know, it was bad the whole time, but he was put into hospice in May. So I had May and June covered. And then, of course, our fiscal year started over and so does your insurance. So that was a huge benefit to me. So I was able to take leave to organize, get, you know, after he passed away, there's all of that stuff, get the auction done and get that all done before the kids started back at school in the fall, right? Like, you'd, there's just so many moving pieces. And you want to, at that time, you just have to be so careful of your financial risk because you don't know how things are going to play out. It all worked out well, but I'm telling you, look into coinsurance and if you have it, because I was, I was surprised. I have never heard of coinsurance. And now I'm like, I need to look that up. So that's a, a very good tip. And, and yeah, I think that's a good point, Krishon. And I think most of us know the basics of our insurance, right? What my deductibles are, what my co-pays are, et cetera. But what about those, you know, longer term care things, those expensive therapies? Um, I know you mentioned Chad also went into hospice and I know there are certain insurance considerations for that type of care as well. It can seem so hard to to think about that stuff and dig into that stuff beforehand. But, you know, I think that's a good point. Just asking a few questions, learning a little more. You know, you don't need to know the ins and outs of all of your insurance because, that would take a lifetime to learn, right? right. To figure out. Um, but yeah, just knowing a little more of that, you know, again, the the difficult conversations before the difficult situations, you know, let's let's do some of this difficult fact finding so that when we need those facts, we have them. And there's not that added stress of trying to figure it out as you're doing it. And I, I guess going in, you know, Emily, to the fourth point, I think like every farmer, Chad freaking loved trucks and trailers. Right. And I don't know why. And you guys, our friend Mike calls me the fleet manager and he is not wrong. So I never cared. Like, I didn't care if I owned a truck or a trailer, although I was a little ticked that my my big horse trailer was in his name, although I had made every payment because he like, you know, he handled all of that. But there was 16 titled things. They were all in his name. And luckily, I'm in Wright County. 
Buffalo has a new government center and they actually have a lovely DMV. And I got to know one lady very well because you can only be there for one hour. And when you have 16 things, it was four appointments and you have to have a death certificate and the titles. And luckily before he passed away, he's like, so here's a deal. It's a mess. There were lien cards, not stapled to titles, lien release cards, you know, like all of those things. And then there was a bobcat trailer that was a horseman, but it was abbreviated horse. Well, I mean, I have horse trailers. So like, I like that was just never my job. That was never my concern. So my fourth thing is manage your fleet. Know what trucks, know what trailers, and some of them are farm trucks. And you guys should really do a podcast on legendary farm trucks because like we're talking the farm trucks took me probably two days to clean out and go through and multiple detailings. Oh yeah, Joe's eyes got big. I mean, we're talking paperwork from 2014 that was unearthed, but all of his handwritten, you know, all of his crop notes, any like all of that stuff was in there. And you so you had to go through like piece by piece. I mean, you guys. I had to literally half the time I was swearing at him and the other half I was laughing and then you'd cry because you were like, what the hell? But yeah, so manage your fleet. And we we only sold two items because my kids have a very, you know, close connection to the farm trucks. Why? I mean, one has like a 20 mile radius is all the further it dare goes. But like, you know, they're just very connected to his things. It took me about two days to clean up my vet truck when I left practice. I'm not going to lie. It was it was rough. But that also didn't come with, you know, all the emotion that goes through piecing through each little thing that you're finding. I find that's the stuff that gets me the most when I'm dealing with someone that I've lost is when I go through all that little stuff that seems somewhat insignificant. And yeah, you range the whole range of emotions from why do you have this to now I'm crying because I knew it was important to you. I can't imagine trying to do that. And in that situation, the person that you most want to have have with you is the person that's gone. How did the kids manage that? Because I feel like that would have been even worse thinking back to my childhood. If if I had had to do that for my father, I would I would have been a, a wreck. So I didn't, you know, I didn't make them do that. I did a lot of that just on my own. And you have to go through it. But I think because the trucks were like, were still here, they, they were okay with that. And I mean, my daughter just had her senior pictures taken. And it's funny, my husband was always like, I don't ever want a truck in a senior picture because I think that it's boastful to have vehicles in senior pictures. Well, his 99 Dodge is in our, her senior pictures, right? Like it was so important to her. And, you know, I got the vehicle's detail. I mean, it's all good, but I literally am still managing nine titled trucks and trailers, which is ridiculous. But what am I going to do? Right. Well, you know, like you said before, they're they're your daughter's farm trucks and trailers, right? In their minds. And I will say, I did see a sneak peek of the senior picture with the 99 Dodge. It does look great. It does. Beautiful photos. So I'm, and I don't, I don't think she's boasting. I know. I know. And you know, the, the whole title. So, and I think a lot of, I mean, a lot of farms, you have trucks and trailers in, you buy these trucks and you don't ever sell them. So they just accumulate. But the other thing that I was not prepared for is the fifth point is I have the land of 10,000 rental contracts. 
when I had to go to the farm service agency, and I mean, you guys were smart, like we know about this stuff. And I'm an, I mean, I have a, I have a crop background, but my husband was dealing with 27 landowners and 29 parcels at the farm service agency. That is so much. It is so much. It oh, is, man. And it's, and it's a reflection of the fact that we live on the rural, urban, you know, fringe, right? So small pieces, big pieces, farms, farms. He was farming with the last two dairy farmers that are in, you know, my community. But, you know, the world is small. So my daughter won a Hereford Heifer through the MyBEP program, Minnesota Youth Beef Experience Program. And the family that donated it, their daughter actually is the manager at our farm service agency. And so she knew what was up. We set an appointment and I had to do multiple appointments, but they were so lovely, right? They knew the situation. They had everything ready. They were so kind, but like it took hours because, because we were keeping the animals, some farms were retained, some farms were transferred to the dairy farmer that my husband already farmed with. Some we let go. It just, but it was so many. And then you think like, oh, like, okay, we get through this. We're good. Obviously, we retain the land that we own. I retain two farms and then our cow pasture, which Joe has been to. But then also there's rental contracts through the co-op. And the co-op, and again, they have been wonderful. But they kept saying, you have a rented fuel barrel. I said, no, I'm looking at the three fuel barrels that he has with dyed diesel. They're like, no, you have a rented fuel barrel. So, you know, I'm out there walking and I look behind the big grain bins. And of course, one is a dryer. It's a big LP tank. So that is the rental fuel barrel. But it took six months to figure out that it was an LP tank and not a fuel barrel, which I'm thinking dyed fuel, when it's really LP for drying corn. Just all of that stuff that I never had to deal with. And also at the co-op, he had a dyed fuel account, an agronomy account, and then the LP account. So they kept saying, you have three accounts. And I'm like, he's one person. How can he have three accounts? But he did. But, you know, it's all good. You figure it out. And again, everybody has been wonderful. But it just, it took so much time, you know, to sort through all of that stuff. I wonder, Krishona, you know, for those things like all the co-op accounts and and the the rental contracts, and I will say this is an important reminder. I believe we've said it on the show before. Make friends with your county FSA office. Yes. Be nice to them. Bring them cookies. It's important because when you need their help, you you really need their help, right? And and it sounds like they were a great help to you, Krishona. And, you know, I'm just wondering, before Chad passed away, were you at least able to know like, okay, these are the places, like this is the co-op where the accounts are. Was there some sort of organization and, and kind of arrangement of stuff that you were able to get done with Chad's help, uh, I guess is kind of what I'm asking. Well, because Chad's a typical farmer and he needs a ride, he needed a ride literally every place he went. At least I know where all of the fields were. And when he went on hospice, because it the transition from, oh, we think you're a very healthy person. We think you'll be able, we'll be able to keep you alive for 18 months to two years. The transition from, oh, you have two weeks to live was like literally overnight, like one day. And so then then it kind of went into like rapid mode. So we had a meeting with the the two farmers that I so I even though I retained the rental ownership, I crop share with with the farmers and they are wonderful. I mean they're they're our friends, right? 
Um, and because my husband did a lot of hay, it's a lot of valuable ground because a lot of it was newer seeding. So, I mean, it, it had long-term value with that long -term, with that longer term investment. So we were able to, I mean, there, there was one, one cornfield that got overlooked, I will tell you. So we all had a mini meltdown when we saw more corn and we thought we were done, but you know, it is what it is. So we did have a little bit of time, but you know, when you have to look at the maps at the farm service agency, sometimes you can't really get a perspective. And I would be like, where the heck? Like, I have no idea where this is. And it would take 15 minutes of like, okay, this crossroad and this crossroad and this, but this section belongs to Baudry's and this is, oh, okay, this is, it just took hours. But Emily, my, my next point was become friends with your farm service agency, but we've already covered that. And it uh -huh. sounds like you guys are already into that. We've talked previously about the the hours you spent with them and, and yes, how, how helpful they were and that- yep. 27 is a lot. That's a lot. Oh, so it was so many, you know, yes. Uh, great, grateful for our FSA um, agents for sure. There, there's a lot, right? I think that's, that's the key. I mean, it's been fairly overwhelming how much stuff, how much land, how many different people to deal with. And maybe this is a, this is a pretty invasive question, but uh, uh, did Chad ever get to a point where he was like enough I'm, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It, it's it's just too much, and I want to spend time with the kids and not really do anything else. Did did you have to take breaks, and was it just at a point where he was like, I'm just done. I don't want to deal with this anymore? Yeah, I think those last two weeks were pretty, was kind of like that. But I think he also wanted to make sure that we were as set up as well as we could be. Like he had a very old skid loader. Like, I, I mean, and he did everything with that. So like in the last two weeks, he purchased a new skid loader that he knew that we could operate. Um, and, you know, just, just a few things like that. But otherwise it was just like, there was so much to do. You almost couldn't do that. And it is a lot, right? And, and again, that's kind of why we're having this conversation today, because if yeah. there's, you know, even the the tiniest percentage of this workload that we can start working on with some of these things now, you know, I think it can just save a, a lot of stress and, you know, yeah, some of that precious time um, that that you never have enough of um, in these situations to to really prepare you for that and and hopefully keep keep you out of the FSA office for for too long. Yeah. But you know, the one thing, my, my next point is have a grasp on your financials. And I, that was one thing we were pretty good at. And honestly, because he, he had to take out a loan to operate. Um, so we had all of our assets and liabilities, you know, we were all really good with that. And he, we had a spreadsheet and I mean, in our jobs, we have to be computer savvy. And although my husband could, go on 17 online auction sites, he could not run an Excel spreadsheet. So like that was my job and I was involved in prepping the taxes for the accountant, right? So like, at least I had um, a grasp on that. And again, I, I am so thankful that I, I mean, we're in an okay position financially because when our kids started kindergarten, we took out life insurance and our goal was, okay, we have enough life insurance that we can pay off all of our debt. And I thought, okay, if you pay off all of your debt, you can really live well. 
Well, what I failed to recognize is that that's only a piece of the puzzle. Because my husband sold hay to a lot of horse clients, and I don't know if you guys have a big IRS following, but he did a significant amount of money, sales and cash. I mean, he had one person that came and got two round bales every single week and gave him two $100 bills year round for many, many years. So having that cash and also he contributed significantly to our finances. So while there was enough to pay off the debt, what I'm missing is that contribution to the to the finances. So but because of the auction and the life insurance, I mean, we can at least, you know, in the short term, we can maintain the lifestyle to some degree that we had become accustomed to. But if it wasn't for the life insurance, there is no way we would we would have that. I do wish I would have doubled that life insurance at some point, but also you can only like we can only afford so many payments. But yes, it it it's it, it's the the financials are are really important and our key to a happy marriage was he had his farm checkbook and that was his money. I had the word, I, you know, I had my checkbook and that was my money. And I knew sort of what was going on on the farm, but that was his deal. Like I never cared what he bought. I'm like, if you can afford it, you can buy it. And that's kind of how we operated. But I didn't realize how many things he had bought <laughs> in all honesty, <laughs> at least the financial piece and the list of assets and liabilities was very up to date. And we both had a really good grasp on that. One of the themes that's kind of running through this is that you can do as good as you can to know it all. And it's just not, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to know all of it, but you can try to try to take off some of the burden if something does happen. And the life insurance conversation, I, we have that conversation, my wife and I, a lot. And that there's always hidden things that you don't know and you can't expect and you can't plan for. And, and we, yeah, we talk about that a lot. Do we have enough? Do we need to have more? Especially as you add kids to the mix, it's really changed my perspective on things. And I, I mean, you're inspiring me to have a, a spreadsheet at least for for some of the the financials and and what's going on. And and I have a very what I would say simple financial situation because I don't I don't farm, and, and I don't have 27 other people that I've been paying, and I don't have cash to keep track of anymore. That's a huge piece that would be really hard to keep track of, and I, I, you're never going to know it all. But at least something would be would be a place to start. Thank you, Kashona, for sharing all of this. You know, it it always makes me think too because you know I have younger kids. The our kids are about the same age as each other, and it just makes you think a little bit. And I know we do have some of those. Those are it's always difficult conversations to have, even with your spouse, about all of this. But I think one thing that I've learned this just to be more prepared and better to try to be anyways. I know you'll never be uh, there, but I think, um, you know, to, to think about those things and have those difficult conversations, even though we don't want to. Well, and I think that rolls nicely into like my next point. And it's really know who your people are and who they aren't. There's been uh, some of the things people have said to me. I, uh, <laughs> shortly after my, my husband died, I was somewhere and somebody said to me, are you going to get on farmersonly.com now to find a man to run your farm? And I was like, did, did you really just say that to me? But you know, I've had to like, 
just learn that that is a reflection of them and not of me. And, you know, I, I, and then I think because I would never have said that like ever to anyone, but people say things to you that are so weird, but also, you know, there have been a lot of people that have really um, helped that I wasn't expecting, you know, first of all, I would say everyone I work with has been phenomenal. My direct supervisors really helped me navigate FMLA, gave me the time that I needed and to be away. And I guess that didn't surprise me because I know my coworkers were great. So that was great. Chad's friends, and I'm sure that he had talked to them ahead of time, but they have been really great. Like my egg mechanic, who is kind of a loose can. I mean, he is an interesting fella. He checks in, he, you know, he stops by, he's, he did a significant amount of work for the auction. Um, he has been, you know, fantastic. Um, our horse and cattle friends, I think because they know, like, I mean, you guys know, like the work that goes into cattle and horses and just a farm, like they, they understood it. Of course, you know, my, my girlfriends, whether they're high school or college or neighbor girlfriends have been great. Our neighbors who are also, I mean, we still do have two farmers in Otsego, which is unusual because of where we live, but they have been wonderful. You know, I knew who the mechanics were, like I knew who the diesel mechanic was. I knew who the car mechanic was. I sort of knew who our people were, and that has been very helpful. That was going to be one of my biggest questions for you, because I think that's something that we all are pretty good at identifying is who, who are our people. Now, some people surprise you and are there and you may have expected them to be or not, but I'm glad you put the qualifier on of who your people are and who aren't. And I think that's just as important a lot of times to identify the people that are like, actually, you're not helping me in the situation. And I, and I, I just, the healthiest thing for me to do is to just remove you from the situation. That is a, a big piece that I'm glad that, that you recognize that. Hopefully you recognized it early in the process. And I think that's one thing about the farming community, horse, cattle, crops, whatever it is, the good people, they come out of the woodwork when something like this happens and they do show up and that I'm glad that you had that experience, that people were there for you and you felt like that was something you could count on. You know, our, our neighbors, it just, there's a lot of in my husband's family. I mean, there's been so many people that have been so good, but the reason that I put in there, know who your people aren't, um, the day after Chad passed away and he had a lot of really, really nice hay fields and everybody sort of admired and knew his hay fields in the area. Well, because he went into hospice and passed so quickly once that point happened, he had already paid all of his spring rent, his first half, because he assumed he would, I mean, and his goal was to farm until he couldn't. And in fact, he spread manure with me in the tractor and it was, I mean, he probably shouldn't have been in there. His friend lifted him in the tractor on a Friday and then he passed away on a Tuesday. So like he was spreading manure because that is, you know, what he wanted to do. But the day after he passed away, there was a neighbor that went around to every landowner and tried to get all of his hay, only his hay ground out from under him. And first of all, my husband was very much loved in the community. So that wouldn't have happened, but he had also paid his spring rent. But I, you know, so just don't be a jerk. 
I know we can't swear on the podcast. I would use other words, Joe. But you know, don't I know land is is hard to get. I know it's a it's it's a precious resource, but in this situation, the day after somebody passes and you are going on doors and knocking on landowners only on the hay ground to try to get this beautiful orchard grass alfalfa seeded ground, like shame on you. Do not be that person. And I'm sure in every community, somebody knows who that person would be. And if you don't know it, it might be you. So just never be that person trying to grab land in the situation where there's been a horrific issue, like a death of someone. Yeah. Don't be that person. I can't agree more. Don't be that person. You're right. And if you don't know who it is, it might be you. So make sure it's not. There's not much else to say about that. I think, you know, we we're right on the edge of, of, of putting some, some cussing on tape. So it might be, it might be time to move to number nine on the list of, of what's next and, and focus on, yes, there's always going to be a bad apple, but there's so many good, so many good ones. So let's focus on that. Hopefully if, if you're wondering who the bad apple is, kind of look at yourself real quick. Yeah. Just don't be that person. And I guess my, the ninth one is give support and not advice. My husband and I, we had all of those really hard conversations and we had five months, which is never enough. But if he would have passed away in like an accident suddenly, I, I would be in a completely different position. I wouldn't, I honestly, I would, it would not have been good. And this wasn't good either, but at least I felt more prepared. But, you know, give support and not advice. I've had so many people come up to me and say, you can't live there. You must sell every truck, every trailer, every horse, every cow. And I don't know if people are putting themselves like, if you're not from a farm or, I mean, I grew up on a dairy farm, right? So I, I, I get what it takes. And yes, like it's not easy, but we, we did downsize and we did have an auction and we, we, we had a plan. But for people to be very adamant, you must sell X, Y, Z. I just, it doesn't help. Or for people to say, you know, you have to get on farmersonly.com. Or for people to say, what are you going to do? You're going to be all alone. Well, like, that does not help the situation to say those things. And, you know, I have a, I have several really good friends. And my one friend, Barb, her favorite saying is, and she has been through some things, is don't borrow worry. So I think about that a lot when people say, what are you going to do in next year when, when your youngest daughter goes to college? You're going to be all alone. How are you going to take care of the cattle? And I'm like, okay, so we're not going to borrow worry. We're, we're going to do the best we can. And you know what? So I hire somebody to do chores. The dairy farmers have a slew of children, thankfully, and they are very handy kids. So it's not like there are no options around here. I really, really like that. What your friend said, you know, don't borrow worry. And I think, you know, you hit on something really important, Krishona, um, that, that we've kind of talked about on this show before too, when we've talked on various, you know, mental health topics and things and, and grieving, I think is, is really similar in some ways to that in, in how you approach people. And you're right. You know, that, that support, is going to be a lot more meaningful and a lot more helpful than advice. And something that we've also discussed a lot on this podcast is how you, you don't really know what somebody else is going through and, and you don't really know what, 
what their thresholds are for certain levels of of pain or or stress or grief, et cetera. Right. And and so from the outside looking in, you may think you know all the details. And so you can provide the stellar advice you have. Don't, because you don't have all the details. Even if you think you do, you don't, right? And and like you said, that was any of the advice people gave you like that helpful at all? No. Exactly. No. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it and it and it and it would just make me angry. And I've had to kind of get over that because it was also family members that were very adamant about things. And I just wanted to say, do you think we didn't talk about this? Like, do you think we didn't prepare? And I, I think that's what made me the most angry is I felt like saying, do you think we were clueless? Like, yes, it was a shock, but also then you kind of go into like, okay, like medical, like how can we help him? What can we do to prepare? Like you kind of go into like that triage mode and all of us, I think in this, in this profession, we're very goal and task oriented. And so like the task was to get these things in line. The goal was to be in a good, the best position you could be in when the worst case scenario was going to happen, right? Like, and by people saying all these negative things, it doesn't help. Where instead of saying, you need to sell your cattle, why don't you say, hey, would you like me to come over once a week and just open the gate so the steers don't run out on you when you give a round bale? Like, that's way more helpful than saying, oh, you need to sell the steers. The perfect example. I, yes. Perfect example. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I mean, I made mistakes, even though we tried. Everything went into the estate and I did sell some cattle just to make it more manageable and dang it, you know, that cattle are considered an inventory and we're not included in this, in the estate. And I had to pay a lot of taxes when I sold the cattle. So even though my accountant is very good and has been very helpful and very involved, it surprised him and me that cat and in my situation, I don't know if it applies to everyone, the cattle were inventory and were not in the estate. That's an, a nice little tidbit for, for people listening, write that down. Cause Right. We deal with people that are dealing with cattle. So so that's really important that they are considered inventory, at least in my situation. And, you know, I, I know we need to wrap up here, but we did try to do something special. Like we try to keep as many, you know, traditions as we could. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of a company called Storyworth. And this is not like a we're not I'm not endorsing them. But this is a company that it's a subscription and you pick questions and they send you a question a week to answer. And then at the end, it makes a book. Well, we all do writing. So the questions would be simple, like, what is your favorite memory of your mom? Or what's, you know, what, what was your favorite tradition as a kid? What was your favorite birthday present? How did you meet your spouse? Like all of those things. And, you know, it was a 52 question thing for a whole year. And we got through about 40 of them um, before he passed away. And that book I gave to everyone for Christmas and is probably one of the most valuable treasures. So if you can, like, try to do it in a lot of it towards the end, it was a quick triage of notes. And then in the evening when I was on leave, you know, it was something that you could do. And my husband's mother was very good about pictures. And so she had scanned a lot of pictures. So you can include pictures in the book. But, you know, just just something that is a little bit special, you know, try and find the positives. Even, you know, most days I would I would like to sit on the couch and cry, but that can't happen. So you try to find the positives. 
Yeah. Those books, preserving those memories, kind of creating a repository, almost like, like if, if you just yeah. need something about Chad, like go to this book, right. And, and you can find what, whatever memory or, or sentiment it is you're looking for. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's a great way to, to keep ourselves motivated and knowing this, you know, this person isn't gone. We, we still have them here. We can find them in these places. And I think it's so nice that, you know, sounds like you kind of gave those to a lot of people, right? So it's also not just I'm creating this and it's just for me, right? But here's something that we can all share in this grief together this way too. That's a really powerful thing for, for the individuals, but, but the group as well. Well, and that wasn't a company that I was familiar with, and it might be the only time like the Facebook algorithm was helpful because it was, of course, a Facebook ad that popped up. And a lot of my friends have started doing that if they are fortunate enough to have a grandparent still living. Just record your family history or something from grandparents or even parents. You know, parents are getting older as well. But, you know, the other thing is my husband wanted me to write his obituary while he was here. That was rough. I mean, it was very nice, right? And when a person is in that position, you're like, well, I guess we'll do whatever you want. So that was something special that he wanted that we were able to do. And I will say as a side note, it was a very beautifully <laughs> written obituary. Um, very well done. So probably very hard for you, probably sounded impossible when when it was first brought up, like, how can I do this? And you're still alive. And um, but sounds like it was probably a really powerful process for, for you and for him. These are not easy things. They are tough things. But hopefully, and it sounds like you have found some particular situations from this overall situation, right, that were really powerful and nice and can help in our own healing processes as well. In, in doing some of this hard stuff, we're also helping ourselves down the road. And I think that's the biggest question I've gotten is, you know, what are you doing to help your kids? What are you doing to help you? And Emily, you know this, because of COVID, there is a huge backlog in mental health. It is very hard to find a therapist that fits. And I tried to push it and just find anybody with an opening. And I'm telling you, that was not good because my kids are like, this, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done when it really should have been a positive, but you know, all the people that were recommended to us were like not accepting new patients or even, I mean, they had like a 12 month wait list, right? Wow. So I think talking about it like this, and we do talk about, you know, him a lot and that, and that always helps, but you know, to recap, right? Like I, I, I'm aware of time here. And again, everybody's situation is different. Um, but in my particular situation with a very young, I mean, I consider mid forties young, a young, healthy spouse that was also a farmer that owned cattle and equipment and land, but was also renting a ton of things and had a lot of irons in the fire, having those difficult conversations before difficult situations, getting your paperwork in order, understanding your medical insurance, you know, understanding what vehicles you have in your fleet, what trucks and trailers, understanding all of your rental contracts. I mean, I really thought like I'm in the land of 10,000 rental contracts as you guys have said before, become friends with your farm service agency office, have a grasp on your financials, know who your people are, and then also know who your people aren't. I still to this day have a list of who my people are. 
from an outsider's, just give support. Try to keep the advice to yourself, unless specifically asked. I did not ask for any advice that was freely given to me. Um, and then if you have the capacity, just try to do something special in whatever special means to you. You know, I guess from my experience talking about it, it's therapeutic in a way. And I really hope that no one ever has to go through the situation. But at least if you do, these are just some things from my perspective, which were helpful and kind of help get us through the situation that we were presented with. I think there was a tidbit in there for everybody, you know, at least one thing that that we can be doing now, regardless of age. I think there's always a few things that that we can do. Joe, any final thoughts? I think everyone should uh, listen to this. Uh, and if you're crying for most of it, like I have been, then go back and listen again so you can pick up on what you missed. Hey, we did pretty good, though. We did. I think so. I think so. I had the benefit of being able to mute and this isn't, uh, fortunately, the video is not captured, so no one will see me cry too hard. And I, I just really appreciate you being willing to talk about this because it, it's a horrible situation, but I, I'm glad that you are, you're willing to look for ways that we can, we can get something good out of a terrible situation. And, and that just speaks a lot to who I know you are as a person. And um, that's all I have to say on that, I guess. Thank you, Krishona, for coming on. Gosh, I'm getting choked up again. Um, you know, thank you for, for trusting us with this really important topic. I agree with Joe. This is something I hope everybody listens to. There's a lot to learn here. And I know it may be, like I said at the beginning, wasn't the easiest conversation for us to have, but really important. And it means a lot to us that you're willing to share this. And, you know, I want to remind our listeners out there, this was one person's story from one very specific situation, um, as Krishona said multiple times. But you know, certainly it's it's my hope and I know it's Krishona's hope that we gave you some things to to think about today. Some conversations you can have. Of course, none of us here on this episode today are experts in end of life planning, just sharing from lived experience. So if you have questions, you know, reach out to those experts, know who your people are, you know, both for that for that personal support, but also for that professional support you may need as well. Krishona, any final words from you? No, just, you know, thank you guys for having me on. And and I know it's not a pleasant story and I wish it had a happy ending, right? But it is important. And in some ways it's it's helpful to talk about in some weird way. Um, and of course, I, I mean, I just love the Moose Room and you guys. So this was just the logical place. Thank you for that, Krishona. And yes, as Joe said, I, I know we will have you back um, and, and hopefully we can talk about some other things with you in the future too. With that, you know, we are going to wrap this episode. Lots of good information here. If you have questions or comments about today's episode, um, if you have specific questions about processes, I would, again, direct those to your people. Um, but if you do have questions or comments um, about what we talked about today, anything specific for Krishona, you can email those to the Room at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S. R-O-O-M at umn.edu. You can also call and leave us a voicemail at 612-624-3610. You can find us on the web at extension.umn.edu and on Twitter at umnmoosroom. Chad Michael Martinson passed away at the age of 48 on May 24th, 2022 from liver cancer. 
an unexpected diagnosis that robbed him of a life he loved and devastated his family and friends. Chad's love of farming and operating equipment led him to start Leaning Pine Farm where he produced hay, corn, straw, and sold beef to the surrounding community. He took great pride in building a successful farming business from scratch without a formal degree or advising and with just enough depreciation to reduce his tax burden. The joy of farming resulted in him feeling like he never worked a day in his life. He was a progressive and intelligent farmer and Chad could operate any piece of equipment with precision and could fix and build anything his family broke or dreamed up eventually. He loved auctions and winning items which mostly meant he paid the highest price. This resulted in him having multiple projects going on at once, but none fully completed. He was a staunch supporter of his wife and daughter's love of horses and cattle and helped his youngest daughter start Martinson Herefords, which has grown into a small herd of overly tame, registered show cows. Chad was a kind, honest, fun, and easygoing man who enjoyed talking, playing cards, going out for lunch, old country music, attending the National Finals Rodeo, bowling, golfing, being with friends, and was game for any adventure his family planned. He is survived by a host of family and a host of friends that might as well be family. To say that he is missed is an astounding understatement.